The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 WCCO or Intercom Communications. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Rashini Rajkumar here. You are listening to Your Money on WCCO Radio with hosts Bruce and Peg. Text and call us today on our studio line, 651-989-9226. All week, ask your questions of Peg and Bruce at 888-6ADVICE or email yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. Here's Senior Vice President Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Good morning and happy Easter, Bruce and Peg. Good morning, everyone. Did the, did the bunny come? Did the bunny come and, <laughs> and leave candy? Do you still hide eggs? No, I don't. Hey, I remember uh, when I when the bunny didn't come the very first year, and how the reaction of my children at that point it was totally devastating. So, <laughs> never forget well, it. Well, you were seeing anything. Uh, thank you for acknowledging. Uh, uh, thank you for the nice introduction, and good to be with you. And acknowledge Easter, and it is a This is going to segue into our topic today. It is a very spiritual time for many listeners, whether it's Easter or Passover or Ramadan coming up. And during spiritual times, and they can be family times, they can be times when you want to get together to celebrate uh, your, your faith with your family and with your loved ones. And as we're starting to see the light at the end of the global pandemic, as more people are getting vaccinated, more and more people are thinking about or even already starting to travel or make plans to travel. So we wanted to talk a little bit today about planning your post-COVID vacation. Um, and Peg, I can't remember, are you completely vaccinated or have you had the first of two or where are you at in the process? I have the first of two. So in a couple of weeks, I will be fully vaccinated and excited about it. Yeah, I had my first shot this last week. Um, didn't hurt at all, didn't even feel it go in. And unlike some people, I didn't have a sore arm. I didn't have any nausea or side effects. So, so far, so good. We'll see how the second one goes in a couple of weeks. But uh, um, so, again, it's not over yet. We're not completely past this. Don't drop your guard. Continue to wash your hands and social distance and mask and take all the precautions. But... I feel like we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and there's certainly reason for optimism. So, Peg, you must have clients, I'm sure you do, that are talking about going somewhere, traveling. I mean, I I haven't been on a plane since a year ago, February, February of 2020, and we just made plans now this last week for a trip that we're going to take. And I'm sure tons of our listeners are thinking the same thing. Yeah, in talking to clients on these strategy review meetings every day, 
I would have to say, and maybe I'm dramatic, but I bet 90% of them have something in mind and, and they're just so excited. And so we kind of felt that this pent up demand of getting out and traveling and, and recognizing that we can live through our clients' lives and we, we love hearing the travel stories. A lot of the places that are on my list are places that my clients have actually described to me and how wonderful they were. So I too am so excited. And actually the, the, um, I'm, I do like to cruise, Bruce. I, I like to cruise and see lots of things on those boats where you go in a different country every day and kind of maximize the time that I have to see lots of things. But that sounds like that particular type of travel may be one of the last um, to open just because of the closed quarters. But I have a cruise on the books that actually has been rescheduled three times, and I don't know yet if it'll go late this year. So um, my husband and I are, are actually excited to get out there too. So um, what are some things for, because, uh, you know, we certainly think this is going to impact a lot of our listeners what ideas or thoughts or advice do we have for, for people that are, that are getting ready to go? Um, you know, again, I call it with my clients, a lot of times these travel plans, these places where people want to go, again, whether it's to see family or other loved ones, again, whether it's spiritual purpose or whether it's just something you really want to do or a place that has aesthetic beauty or sentimental importance to you, whatever your reason uh, for traveling is, um, I, I think, again, a lot of people are getting ready to go do it. This is very impactful to a lot of people. What are some thoughts or ideas that we have to help both efficiently and economically make sure it, uh, it's a successful uh, bucket list uh, trip? Yeah, and a lot of the things, Bruce, that we talk about today are not new, right? As comprehensive planners, travel has always been or vacation has always been part of the budget, and we try to encourage people to plan for them because that way your cash flow um, is earmarked. And I find that even personally, if I do that, I have a better time when I'm out there spending because I've actually had it as part of my budget. Now, uh, we do have a lot of clients, Bruce, that because they haven't traveled and they have a year or year and a half that they haven't done what they want to do, they have a lot of cash sitting in the bank. And uh, that money would have otherwise went for trips. So I think a lot of people are prepared with some extra budget money for their lodging and food and activities and travel. But I think because of the pent-up demand, some people might go a little crazy meaning, oh, we deserve to take a, to have a place that's twice as nice as we were going to have the year before. So we just caution that people make sure that it's um, within their budget. Or, or that's a great point, or they, they normally take one vacation a year, but now they're going to take two because they didn't get one last year, or even three. They got, they got three trips planned, boom, boom, boom. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but you got to make sure that it's within your budget and it's affordable and part of your overall plan. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about inflation when it comes to traveling now. I know <laughs> the um, airlines and the cruises and all these people can't wait to get these people back, but 
similar to housing during the pandemic. Everybody uh, decided to remodel or get uh, something done that they've been putting off. Well, all of a sudden, you know, costs of the, um, you know, the wood and all the, the, um, the construction and everything went up. And so I, I, I think one thing you could do is make sure that you are researching it, even if you're not prepared to go quite yet, but researching and maybe locking in some prices. But we still are in COVID. And so the CDC just came out this week and said, if you're fully vaccinated, you are able to travel freely around the United States. But um, we, we question whether we can go outside the United States and what's that, what is that going to be? And there's a lot of controversy about maybe having a vaccine passport and the security of our health information. And so um, lots of things to think about, even to understand COVID cancellation policies. So now, um, not that I want to think negative at all, but if something were to come up, you should you should be prepared to, um, to, to know if something came up, even health-wise. So even our clients, you know, we're all, they're all retired. They always want to look at what the policy is if they got sick or something, no different than COVID. Yeah, and, and uh, you bring up a really good point. That's one of the things that, or two of them I want to comment on, actually, that you just said. The, the idea that we still are not past this, and we still have to take precautions because you know, we've all seen the footage of the you know spring breakers on Miami Beach or whatever, and and you know they're they're kids, and and the the science has proven that they're less likely to get it, and if they do get it, it's less likely to to be a problem uh, for them. But that that's still that's not a reason to just you know drop your guard and go crazy. And for those of us that aren't kids, you know we have to continue to be to be safe and to, and to be smart. And to be prepared for for when we travel, that that certain places are going to have certain restrictions, and the the vacation that we're taking might not be the same vacation we were going to take before COVID. And, and to that point, Peg, you mentioned inflation and rising uh, costs, construction, and I've seen that also. And I've also seen it part of it again. Uh, the hospitality industry is really an industry of supply and demand. So the same trip that we had to cancel because of COVID, and this last week we rebooked it, same exact trip was about 20% more expensive than it was 15 months ago. And, and we'll pay it because we really want to go. And, I, you know, I don't care that it's more expensive. It was an important trip. We didn't get to take it, and we're taking it now. We'll pay the higher price. Well, and I think too, Bruce, um, a lot of people may think to go to other places than they normally would go. So the theme has been, you know, if you, the RVs have been selling like crazy because people feel like, oh, I can be by myself. I can go to these quaint places. I can go to these mountain areas or these beaches where there isn't a lot of people. So I'm anxious to see if the um, trend of where people go you know, may change because they just want to protect their health and safety, and especially in the short term. And then we've always cautioned our clients to be careful with their medical insurance. You know, once again, you don't want to think negative, but if you're in a foreign country or if you're just in a different state in the U.S., prepare for if something did happen that you knew medically what you know, you would be covered and what may not be covered. 
I've had a circumstance where a client had to be helicoptered, you know, back to the United States, and that was not covered by medical to get them back to the hospital that they wanted to um, to, to have their surgery uh, based on an accident that happened. So, once again, I don't like to bring up the negatives, but it's just a prudent thing to do, especially if you're going to go outside the United States. Yeah, and, and again, you said at the top of the show, a lot of the things we're going to talk about today are not new. I mean, that would be true under any circumstances, but I think it's just magnified when you uh, when you factor in COVID. Okay, we told people, we you know, listeners, that we would give them, you know, something smart, uh, some key takeaway to for your trip, for your planning, for your you know, to to save money or to to make sure it goes well. Any any thoughts? Any key things that we haven't uh, hit on that you think? we should share with listeners? Well, number one, scan your important documents. So I do have my passport scanned. I was always nervous when you go places that that document, if you lost it, you're not even going to get back into the United States. So I think today you can keep things in separate places and keep them secure. Uh, Credit cards as well. Um, You know, don't carry a lot of cash. You know, just travel smarter. Lots of uh, my clients look at AAA and places that they can not only become educated, but there still are places that can help you plan. And I think with COVID, you might want to utilize a place like that for transportation and lodging, and they'll know what the hotels and the the flights and the capacity and and all of that. And then also be careful, you know, Prepaying can be a significant discount, but I already brought up, make sure how do you get your money back? And uh, we always talked about this because once again, you know, we work with mostly retired people, you know, or five to 10 years from retiring. And so it's not the youngest people out there. So you got to be prepared for the what ifs. And a lot of it is um, medical or reading the fine print. And then I already mentioned looking outside the high-density, touristy kind of destinations. Uh, there are lots of places to go, but once you go outside the U.S. and there isn't a lot of people around, I'm actually personally not comfortable with that. I like to be in big crowds because safety in numbers is how I feel. But there's a lot of clients out there that like to go to those remote places especially with the RVs. And and, um, and I think there's more, Bruce, resources now to find those places than I don't think they were so much talked about when you could just go in big groups and feel comfortable. Um, so I've been kind of keeping track here. I'm going to sum this up for, for listeners. So here's what I've heard you say so far. Um, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong or see if you have anything you want to add to this, Peg. Don't just wing it. Plan your vacation. We're planners. We're financial planners. Uh, look at costs. We'll make sure it fits your budget. Um, don't just wing it. Plan it. Be COVID prepared. Recognize the fact that especially if you go to another country, um, there could be issues or, or, or additional um, limitations. Take precautions. Uh, protect your health and safety. Make sure your insurance will uh, cover wherever you're traveling. Um, look for discounts. There's certain places that you can maybe find discounts. Uh, it may make sense to prepay your, some, uh, ahead of time. Um, and look for places that maybe are off the beaten path. Don't go 
uh, where everybody else wants to go. Um, and, and, and is that it? Anything else that you, you would share with folks? Yeah, the, the only other thing would be I did mention inflation. And oh, inflation yeah. is inflation is actually being talked about in lots of contexts today because um, we're fearful. I mean, not we're fearful, but th- there is some fear out there that printing a lot of money, the government has a few, infused a lot of cash into our economy, and uh, there's some pent-up demand now when it comes to travel. We caution our clients on inflation uh, probably at every review. And the reason for that is because if the stock market changes and it goes down 2 to 3%, we immediately see that on our statement and we recognize, oh, I've lost some value there. But I find inflation to be kind of this hidden enemy where it kind of sneaks up on you. So um, we have always been thoughtful about uh, putting inflation percentages in our comprehensive plans. And I just wanted to mention, Bruce, today, as it relates to travel, I think things are going to get more expensive. And I think because of the infusion in cash, um, things are going to get more expensive, maybe not in the short term, but we are watching it. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I, I know uh, Rasheed's telling me that we've got texters to get to. So we'll do that. But the last thing I want to mention before we go to texters is, so we're spending this time talking about planning your post-COVID vacation, but there's been research done. There's been surveys done, Peg, that people have said, I remember one that Schwab did, 39% of the people they surveyed said they spent five hours or more planning vacation, but they don't spend that much time planning financial planning or planning their retirement. So you know we're talking about vacations, and it may seem – uh, you know, like I'm contradicting myself. We want you to plan for your vacations, but a lot of people already spend more time uh, planning a vacation or doing research before they buy a car. They spend more time doing those things than they do on their retirement plan. So let's get our priorities straight, folks. There's nothing more important than planning for a happy, successful retirement. And the car that you drive and the vacations that you go on are just subsets of that. And, uh, you know, let's make sure that we have our, have our priorities straight. So we want people to plan for vacation, but don't, don't not do the goal, you know, the bigger planning for your retirement and, uh, and a happy life. Rashini, have we got people that want to get in on the show? This person asks, is there a recommended balance of Roth IRA versus 401k? Hey, that's a great question. And by 401k, I'm assuming they need traditional. So, Talk a little bit, I think we've got time, the difference between traditional and Roth and how we decide how much goes to each. This is part of our three three buckets of money. It is. It's the, it's the Your Money Matrix Worksheet. And so there's actually three columns, taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-advantaged or tax-free. In an ideal world, and I'm going to use a big number, $1 million, um, on the back side where you've worked all your life and you want to create a paycheck for the rest of your life, ideally, I'd love to see a third that is taxable, a third that is tax deferred, and a third that is tax advantage or tax free. Just imagine then having the um, flexibility to create your own paycheck and control your taxes. Now, that may be hard to do for everyone to get as much as I'd like them to have in that tax advantage or tax-free, but 
it is a goal and something that I would work on. So the Roth versus tax deferred, take a little bit of pain today and pay tax to get your buckets in order before you retire. Yeah, and again, the key point here, Peg, is um, in our financial planning that we do for clients, we do want to minimize their taxes. If we can do so legally, legitimately, uh, how do we how do we reduce the amount of taxes? But we don't just look at one year. We're looking at a lifetime. And we've talked about this many times on this show. Sometimes you're better off paying a little bit more now so that you pay a lot less later. And net net aggregately over a lifetime, you pay less. It is not not always the best idea to reduce taxes as much as you can in the current year. So I, I appreciate the question, and it's a great question. And the third, a third, a third is, a, is an admirable goal. But in most situations, it's probably not achievable. So what we would tell a client trying to decide how much goes into Roth and how much goes into traditional is really going to vary from client to client based on what they already have, how old they are, what tax bracket they're in, and so forth and so on. So we really look at it on a case-by-case basis. All right, Bruce, uh, I wanted to just give people a quick preview coming up uh, in the second half hour. It's Easter Sunday for many people. Families are together, so maybe people can think about some of the questions they might want to ask of each other if they're planning for loved ones, things like that, trips, all this kind of stuff. We're talking about post, post-COVID uh, vacations, but we're also thinking about retirement in the long run. And as families get together, maybe they have questions of each other that can help some of these longer-range questions. So if you have questions for Peg and Bruce, call us or text us. The number for both, 651-989-9226. Peg and Bruce are here for you on this Easter Sunday. This program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Wealth Enhancement Group, helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. This is your money. I'm Rashini Rajkumar back with you along with your hosts, Peg Webb and Bruce Helmer. We're talking about planning your post-COVID vacation as well as some other great topics. Phone and text lines are open. 651-989-9226. Bruce? Thanks, Rashini. Hey, Peg. Um, uh, a couple of things I want to get to, you know, um, a lot of times what we talk about on the show is driven by things going on in the world or things that have happened. And a couple of things I want to share before we get back to more callers and texters. And by the way, anyone that has a question today, it does not necessarily have to be on our topic of planning your post-COVID vacation. Well, anything that's on your mind, any financial topic, we'll try to get to anything that, you, that you're interested in and want to talk about. But take a couple of things. Number one, we, we've talked about this, but I'm still getting questions on it. So I think it bears repeating. For listeners that don't know, our, our time to file our 2020 tax return has been extended essentially one month. I think technically it's May 17th now because of a, 
a weekend, May 17th. It must be a Monday. So we've got an extra month to file, but that also means we have an extra month to contribute to a traditional IRA or Roth IRA if you want to. So it's not too late to still contribute to for, for 2020. And in fact, we get an extra month this year. A lot of people actually asked me about that in the last week. And the other thing I wanted to share, and this may, you know, give you some, remind you some things that have happened too. I had a really fun conversation with a young person this week who I don't know if they'll become a client right now or not because they're, they're just getting started and they, they really don't have much um, money. Not that I, you know, I still, I spent a long time with them. I'll, I'll, I'll help anyone that wants help, but I, a lot, they don't have a lot of, uh, extra money beyond what they need just just to live on. So we talked about ways to find a, a way to invest, and we talked about ways that they can save money. If, can they reduce their taxes? Can they reduce expenses on certain things that they don't need? Are they paying too much for insurance? Can they get their insurance more cost-effectively? Uh, so, so we talked about some things, but it was really fun for me to kind of teach. It was almost like a... a a teaching call rather than a, a client call to help this young person who is a child uh, of, of a, an adult child of a really good client of mine. And one of the things we also talked about is getting started as soon as possible. And we've talked about that a lot over the years on this show, but I don't think we can ever talk about it too much. And as I'm sitting here today, I don't remember the last time that we did. Um, and what I mean by getting started as soon as you can, and I know when you're young, it's tough. And this person I talked to during the week is a really good kid, and they're really doing a lot of things right. And it's just hard to find any discretionary income, but it's important to try. And the, the reason is the, the benefits of starting early, people I don't think fully realize how important that can be. So I actually, for this person, I cited an example from my last book, Real Wealth, and that's not a book plug, although I think you can still buy it if you want to. Um, but I put an example in there of identical twins. I'm not going to you know, go through all the shtick that I did to try to make it funny. But I took an example of somebody putting $5,000 a year into a Roth IRA, and they do it for 10 years for a total of $50,000. They do it basically from age 21 to age 30. And then their sibling starts when they stop at age 30, $5,000 a year, and they do it for 35 years. So even though the, the second person, and I called them Jack and, and Jill in, in the book, Jill uh, does 5000 a year for 10 years for a total of 50000 but she starts 10 years before Jack. Jack does $5,000 a year for 35 years for a total of 175000 but he starts 10 years later, and they both earn the same rate of return. And at age 65, Jill has got almost $230,000 more than Jack does, even though she invested less, but she started earlier. So that, that really, I could tell this, this person I was talking to that that just blew them away. They, and, and I think most people don't realize, maybe on some level they say, yeah, I know I should start as soon as I can but they don't really get how significantly profoundly important that could be to their life when they retire. 
Yeah, and I'd like to just add to that, Bruce, in the experience that I have in meeting different couples or even single people who actually adhered to this strategy when they were young, they don't make masses, massive amounts of income per year at their job. Sometimes I look at these people who, um, number one, they picked a job that they actually really like and it didn't necessarily make them millions, um, but they started saving very young. In a lot of cases, Bruce, because I ask questions like, what provoked you to do that? And in a lot of times, it was actually the uh, people that surrounded that person, either their parents or their aunts and uncles, or they had an experience where money was really taught to them, like how valuable understanding money and what it can do for you long term and to start early. So I like that you brought up your book, Real Wealth, because we haven't talked about that for a while. And you give real live examples in that book about um, like Jack and Jill and and some tips in there that are are simplistic. Um, They're not simplistic, but you write them in a way that people commented on your book and said, oh, I get it. That's what they're talking about. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and but and again, I didn't, bring, I didn't bring that up to do a book plug, but I, I just, I can't remember the last time we've actually talked about that on the show. And it's just so important. And I was re-reminded of it, actually talking to a young person and candidly for, for our listeners, maybe that don't know, the, the bulk of our clients, I don't know, you've talked about this before, they, uh, they wake up at age 50 or they, you know, they, they suddenly realize they want to retire and they haven't really planned it. So most of our clients are not 20-something-year-olds. So I talk to 20-somethings because my kids are 20-something. But other than that, in a professional capacity, I can't remember the last time I talked to somebody so young and it was so enjoyable for me, so refreshing. So gave me such a warm, fuzzy feel good because I know it was very impactful for this young person. And again, I was happy to do it. They're, they're, they're a child of a, a really good client of mine. And I just really enjoyed it. And I wanted to share that today. Rashini, I know we got texts coming in. Let's uh, let listeners drive this thing the rest of the way. Let's beg. Was there anything else about planning the post COVID vacation that we didn't hit on that you wanted to hit on? No, I, I just wanted to, um, <clears throat> I think we've probably motivated some people today to just get online and start doing research because, <laughs> as, as you mentioned, the price has gone up, and I really truly believe that once um, the, they get a handle on it, then the costs will go up because the numbers are going to be quite large. Supply and demand. We have some callers and texts reminding people our number today, 651-989-9226. Peg and Bruce taking all of your questions. Vivian is on the line from St. Paul. Good morning, Vivian. Good morning. Can you hear me? We can. Oh, yes. Hi. My husband and I, and my question is, my husband and I both have a decent pension, and then I have another pension. It's like 80000 and I wanted to know if I would like to take it in a lump sum so we can use some to travel. And I would like to know, should I put it in a 401? Should I move it over, roll it over to a 401 or a Roth IRA? And I didn't know 
that they would both tax me or take half of it with taxes. So how do I work that with the taxes? Hey, Vivian, thank you for listening, and thank you for such a great question. Uh, Peg and I might be able to finish the rest of the show going off on all the different potential variables that your question uh, poses. And uh, happy holiday season to you, and uh, boy, I'm glad you called. Peg, I'll let you go first, but there's a ton of different roads we could go down here. Yeah, we're actually running into this quite a bit right now where um, there's the, the company actually offers you a pension uh, and a pension being I'll take a monthly income for the rest of my life or I can choose to take it for a joint life, et cetera. But if, if it's a pension that also allows you to take a lump sum and take all that money uh, right now, what I normally recommend, first we have to do a pension analysis to see, you know, does that make sense? Um, does is It's all about the numbers. Is the monthly or the joint income, what does that, uh, what does that um, give you for income for the rest of your life or does a lump sum make sense? Now, there's a, there's a control issue here. You may say, hey, I don't know if I want the company to control my income for the rest of my life or do I want to get it in my own control? <clears throat> the lump sum, once you're given it, I like the option of putting it into an IRA, an individual retirement account, because then you, could, you don't have any immediate taxes and you can create your own paycheck for the rest of your life. And you can work with someone or do it on your own uh, in how you want that invested. So, once you put it into that IRA, then you actually control your taxes because you don't pay tax until you take the distributions to live on. So it is a complicated decision because there's so many different variables to look at to see if you're making the right decision for you and your legacy um, within your family as well. Um, as always, Peg, that gives really good uh, answers, really good advice. Um, I want to add just a little bit to it, though. So, Vivian, you are very fortunate that you have pensions. Uh, I think Peg will agree with me that we are seeing less and less as time goes on, and those people that still have a pension, that, that's, a, that's a potentially wonderful advantage to a happy, successful retirement. Uh, the technical name for a pension uh, is a defined benefit plan. If you have a pension, you know what your payment is going to be monthly after you retire. Pensions have largely been replaced by what you mentioned, Vivian, 401s. 401k is another type of retirement plan. It's called a defined contribution plan. You don't know what your future retirement income will be, but you can quantify or define what you contribute to the plan, and then what you get to take back out of it is there's a lot of variables. What do you invest in? What kind of rate of return do you achieve and so on? So there isn't a better or worse, but it's different. Peg and I are seeing less pensions, and that guaranteed income stream gives us a lot of flexibility in the planning process uh, in terms of how we invest and how we draw income from other sources when you've got that guaranteed money locked in. It really buys you a lot of freedom and a lot of flexibility. The pension analysis that Peg mentioned um, – not all pensions offer you a lump sum, but if they do, that's the first thing we're going to look at. Are you better off 
taking the pension or the monthly income from that company, or are you better off taking a lump sum and investing it yourself? And I would say when we do that analysis, the majority of the time, if you have a lump sum option, that's going to be the better choice, but not always. I've seen pensions that the payment is so good that we determined if we took the lump sum and invested that, we didn't think we could get a high enough rate of return that we could replicate that guaranteed income that the pension offered. Therefore, we recommend taking you know the pension. So it's, it's going to vary case by case, but the lump sum you also asked about putting it in a 401 or putting it in a Roth. Peg mentioned first, if you take that lump sum out, to have it not be taxable, it goes to an IRA. And then if you want to take your traditional IRA and convert some or all of that to Roth, that's another decision that we would look at. So ultimately, it can get to Roth. It may or may not make economic sense depending upon the taxes. So, And the last thing I'll say is this pension analysis that we do I think is hugely value-added to our clients because I think we greatly enhance the chances of you making the right decisions and maximizing that money. But it's never going to be exact science because we're missing one important uh, component that we need to be absolutely certain, and that is the day that you die. Without knowing that, to some degree, this is just an educated guess, but it's a really educated guess because there's a lot of things that we do know, and when we that we take those things that we do know, and we and we put that information in and do the calculation, we're going to greatly increase your chances of getting it right. So, good on you, Vivian, for having pensions. And if you're still not sure what to do, a good advisor can help you do that analysis and make it a determination. But you're very, very fortunate. Congratulations for you. All right. This listener asks. I heard Minnesota is staying with the April 15th tax deadline. I know you talked about this a little earlier, but maybe just some good clarification for folks, Bruce and Peg. Thanks, Rashidi. Peg, have you heard that? I have not heard that. No, no. um, It's pretty recent. Every state is deciding whether they're going to extend it, and Minnesota has now, very recently. So we're, we're okay in Minnesota. We've got till May 17th. Peg and Bruce, uh, a question about just asking parents about their wishes. So just kind of a general question, and I had mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of people are coming together for Easter. These holidays bring different generations together. So this person is wondering, how do you have those kind of questions in a smooth way with your parents or grandparents when we're talking about end-of-life kind of wishes? Oh, Rashini, that is such a great question, and... um it's really a delicate one. It's, it's something that nobody wants to talk about, but you, but we kind of have to talk about it, Peg. Well, and I think we have to talk a little bit about history here. Uh, talking about money was taboo, right? You didn't um, talk, a lot of the people listening, I bet, didn't talk openly about money. Um, it was kind of sacred to the family, but even uh, the the children didn't know what the parents had and all of that. So I like, uh, Rashidi, how you said, or the person who text said, a smooth way. We deal with, what? 
We deal yeah, with this. That's why they need your advice for that smoothness. Yeah. <laughs> we deal with this all the time. And it's actually a very sensitive subject because I've had clients, you know, approach their parents who are in their 80s and 90s. And the minute they bring up money, they think that they're trying to get their grubby hands on our money, you know, their money before it's time. And, and so it is a very sensitive thing. What I encourage people to do is, you know, um, start with healthcare questions first because, you know, um, we talk a lot about long-term care here and a long-term care plan. And if your children are your long-term care plan, make sure that they know about it. And I think first you start with a sensitive subject about care and showing that you actually do care and that you want to create a health care plan with them or a long-term health care plan. And then I find that the money situation actually does come up because of that, because then you start to educate on, you know, um, do you have the money to pay for a facility or do you want home health care? You know, what do you want? So that's my advice is, Start with the caring questions before you get to the money questions. Peg, that's great advice because, you know, the, Rashidi said the, the texture used the word smooth. There, it's, it's hard and delicate and difficult, and, and, and it isn't smooth. It is a hard conversation. But I think what you said was spot on. Sometimes, and this tends to be more likely to happen, I think, as the person gets older, Sometimes the parents might question the motivation. Do my greedy kids want my, my money and what's good for them and not what's good for me? Um, but if you demonstrate that you care, and this is because you love them, that you want to have this conversation and make these plans, and it's not about how much money you get, I think that's really going to soften the ground. And, and it's just amazing, Peg, how, how many families over my career that if you ask them, they would have said, there's no way money will come between me and my siblings or me and my parents. We're a loving family. Money will never, you know, negatively impact that. And it's not true. It happens. If you don't plan for it and you don't have these discussions, you oftentimes end up with animosity and fighting and bickering and jealousy and anger and resentment. And even though it's a difficult conversation, you really have to do it. Yeah, it's so true. All right, I want to get these two texts out. They're sort of dueling text questions. One listener says, will estimated tax payments be extended to 517-21? Another person says, Minnesota has not extended 2021 estimate, estimated payments. They are still due 415-21. Estimated payments, Peg? Yeah, I agree with that. They They are allowing us to file the Minnesota return until May, but the estimated payments still have to be made. The um, CPA Association is trying to fight that because to come up with an estimated payment, they pretty much have to do these returns to find out if people are on track. So there may be still more to come, but as of right now, it's uh, it's April 17th. Well, and again, if, if, you, if you do make estimated payments, I can't remember what the rule is, but if you make the same amount that you've made in previous years, but your income changed a lot, and this is where I'm sure the debate is, how do you make that adaptation? How do you know how to change it? Well, I think you have to work with your tax um, provider. And usually if you are have a lower income the next year, then you don't have to send in all that money. A lot of people have one-time huge years 
that they wouldn't be able to afford to pay in the next year. All right. Another great edition of Your Money. Peg, Bruce, and I will be back next Sunday. Uh, be sure to tune in then. Meantime, if you have questions for them during the week, call 888-6ADVICE or email money at wealthenhancement.com. Make it just a fabulous week and a wonderful Easter for those who celebrate. The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk A30WCCO or Intercom Communications.